This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The following podcast contains adult language and spoilers for everything everywhere all at once. is The Review, a podcast from the Atlantic's culture team about movies, television, and all the things we make to entertain ourselves. I'm Shirley Lee, a staff writer at The Atlantic, and I'm joined today by two other staff writers on our culture team, Spencer Kornhaber. Hello. And David Sims. Hi. So, I have to ask, did we all do our taxes? Uh, when was that due? <laughs> today, Spencer, today. And I ask this because today we are here to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. The new multiverse action comedy that is about taxes. That's not true. I love it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a film that critics and audiences both seem to love. And uh, here's a bit of background on the plot for anyone who hasn't seen it. Michelle Yeoh, the exquisite Michelle Yeoh, plays Evelyn Wong, a Chinese-American immigrant whose life isn't going quite as she'd hoped. Her husband, Waymond, played by Ki Hui Kwan, is sweet, but their marriage is falling apart. Meanwhile, their daughter, Joy, played by Stephanie Hsu, is growing distant as they struggle to understand her and include her girlfriend in their lives. And on top of it all, just to circle back to what I was talking about, an IRS agent, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, is auditing their failing laundromat. Now, (sighs) the story begins, sort of, when mid-audit, Waymond drags Evelyn into a closet to tell her that he's not her husband, but another Waymond from another universe. I think this might be a good point to just play the trailer because there's a lot to explain. Evelyn, I'm not your husband. I'm another version of one from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. A whole time to help you. Across the multiverse. In thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. We are all fans of this movie, as far as I know. You know what, David? I'm going to start with you. What was your reaction when you saw everything, everywhere, all at once for the first time? I was very charmed by it. I saw it with, I guess, a little bit of sort of, you know, hype. It had been at South by Southwest. I had liked the first film by Daniels, this directing team. So I was, you know, a Swiss Army man, their first movie. So I was intrigued. I guess my my biggest takeaway walking out of it was what strong affection I had for the leads mm. and how sort of bowled over I was by those two performances. 
especially Quan, who, you know, obviously is just not is a performer like that I know, just like pretty much everyone in the world like knows, but obviously <laughs> I had not thought about in a while and has not really been acting for many years. And I was so stunned to see him give this like incredibly heartfelt and expansive and clever and funny performance and obviously michelle Gell, i mean it's a wonderful movie star who i i adore like i, mm-hmm. I so I, I guess that that was my initial reaction was mostly centered on them and then like as i got further from the movie i sort of i appreciated it as sort of a a good fleshing out of how we all feel mm-hmm. or how a lot of people maybe feel right now Mm-hmm. In this very kind of like, it's like we all have attention deficit disorder after like so long being locked up. I, I know that's trite and I know that's like, you know, uh, sort of a facile thing to say, but there's just that feeling of like un- being unable to concentrate on things and being unable to sort of feel settled and happy with like, you know, how everything's playing out or whatever, you know, like that, that sort of feeling is difficult to capture. And I was sort of amazed how this movie captured it. Does yeah. That make sense? No, it does. I mean, the the benefit that they have is that they're making a film and so they can be as, you know, wild and insane with their visuals as they want in order to deliver something that might in the end be, you know, a little cheesy, a little corny, right? Like everything that you're saying, you're hedging it by saying that it's facile, but it's only because we can't in the way that we discuss this film also present butt plugs and raccoonies (laughs) and hot dog hands. But Spencer, I'm really curious what you thought. Yeah. um, Yeah, I didn't like it. Because it um, it made me cry, and that that's it felt like uh, you don't like feeling that way. I don't like feeling <laughs> like tears on my face. It's just like it's not what I go to the movies for. I go to the movies for air conditioning. No, I I, I ended up loving it because it uh, provoked a strong emotional reaction in me. But it took mm-hmm. me a little while to get into it. Uh, it starts on a really small scale. Mm-hmm. Almost feels like a family dramedy about this family that's running a laundromat and this sort of disconnect between one generation, the parental generation, and their daughter, Joy, who is queer. And at first it sort of seems like a nice but somewhat familiar generational clash, tolerance, acceptance, immigration, kind of indie movie. And then the wheels start coming off. More and more psychedelic things start happening. And there comes a point where you're just like, wait, 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 wait. This movie is doing something that is similar to a lot of things I've seen before, but it's actually not something I've ever seen before. Like, it's just going to places of absurdity and extremity, but also of like sweetness and sentimentality and mm-hmm. uh, darkness too. That at a certain point, you are drawn into it almost like, like it's like some sort of like vortex that you are just swirling around and like you feel quite immersed in it and it spits you out at the end and you're like that was fucking awesome <laughs> yeah you could say that that vortex is an everything bagel a literally everything bagel <laughs> that sucks you <laughs> well here's the question i want to explore with both of you today that i want to investigate in a podcast that i wish were a hundred hours long because there's so much to dissect This film arrives in essentially the era of multiverses or multiverse as the framework for plot. We've seen it in the main Avengers arc in the Marvel films, right? It's been filled with multiverses since Avengers Endgame wrapped in 2019. We've seen shows like Loki and WandaVision deal with multiverses. 
uh, we've seen Spider-Man No Way Home tackle multiverse as fan service, as franchise builder. But what everything everywhere is doing that these superhero movies is not doing is that it is using the multiverse uh, as as metaphor, you know, for the immigrant experience, for our experience with the feeling of chaos uh, when it comes to what ifs. And I'm curious what we think about how we've come to use multiverses. Well, I'm sort of curious for the sort of like film historian perspective on whether we are actually in a boom or if maybe it just sort of feels that way uh, of these Mm -hmm. kinds of stories. Because I mean, like the word multiverse feels very current, but the idea of there being multiple realities, multiple dimensions, multiple worlds. I mean, that is kind of the coin of what the Twilight Zone and uh, you know, you might even say most world religions kind of are dabbling in this idea. Um, like there's something mm-hmm. super duper eternal about it. Um, and also, I personally wrote a piece five years ago saying that this was <laughs> happening a lot <laughs> when, when Westworld and uh, the OA and Stranger Things were all the rage. And those are all movies about feeling like reality is fractured and, and different dimensions exist and all that. So I don't know, like, like, is this, I know that it's um, certainly a major part of what's happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And is that just the one coincidence we see here? Or is there, there actually a larger trend? I would say, yeah, mostly, I mean, it is worth, it does bear noting that the Russo brothers who achieve, who made a lot of the Avengers movies produce mm-hmm. this movie. Um, mm-hmm. But no, yeah, no, the multiverse is mostly in fiction just been used for this. It's like it's how you explain that both Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck play Batman, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, well, there's been multiple Batmans and, you know, in comic books because they've they've often been publishing for decades and things change and new writers come in and things get revamped. Like, you know, it's 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 how you can sort of explain everything in one big you know world like oh yeah the green lantern used to look like that and now he looks like this it's different universes <laughs> so i feel like it's usually kind of a hand wavy thing and then as these things go on long enough it becomes acceptable to sell to audiences that yes toby mcguire is going to get to shake tom holland's hand in a movie that and, and you know families are all going to go see it and be like this makes sense to me like this is good <laughs> which like you know if you told me 10 or 20 years ago that's going to happen I would have said like, oh, that's too like nerdy and mm-hmm. inscrutable for like a mainstream <laughs> film, right? Like, you know, that that's 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 dorky territory. And what I like about everything everywhere, and you know, it's the road not taken idea, right? It's it's yeah. it's not so much I mean, obviously they have a lot of fun in this movie creating these little windows into silly worlds that, you know, with the hot dog figures world, whatever, right? Worlds that we what might think of in an improv class but (laughs) the thematic purpose here is is pretty effective in that it's that feeling that anyone has had of like what if i hadn't married this guy or what if i hadn't taken that job like you know what would my life be like it's like well you know what if you could jump right into that body and find out like you know it's it's an appealing and scary and dangerous and dramatically weighted concept i mean it's also like you bring up the Spider-Man example as like the kind of thing that doesn't feel like it could have happened until pretty recently. To me, it does feel like uh, is sort of reflecting a zeitgeist that is extremely self-aware. Like <laughs> we're all like talking about what we're talking about, what we're talking about all the time these days. Um, right. And <sighs> so this movie, 
is extremely aware of itself as a movie to a hilarious and charming extent. Like, <laughs> there is an alternate universe in which Michelle Yeoh is Michelle Yeoh in this universe, and she's walking the red carpet for Crazy Rich Asians. And mm-hmm. you just catch a glimpse of it, and it's this great joke, but it's like the movie winking at you and being like, we know this is a movie, and we know that like how you are experiencing it, and what if... Uh, what if your universe is just universe within this movie? Like, how about that? Um, the remarkable thing about the structure of this movie is that for however wild it is with the kind of channel flipping nature of it, mm-hmm. it's essentially like making an argument or kind of like working you through a logic problem about like what the point of life is. <laughs> like, like, it's like really like, it's like kind yeah. of like, you know, these people's lives feel like a problem to them. And it's like, you know, here's one hypothesis for how the universe works, and that's you know comes in the form of of the villain, the Joe. Like, wait, so what was <laughs> the, the fabulously Joe, outfitted Jobu Topaki? The Jobu Topaki, <laughs> who is in other universes the main character's daughter, she represents nihilism. She thinks that she's seen every single possible thing that happens in the universe, and it makes her realize that LOL, nothing matters. So. <laughs> why not just try to suck us all into a vortex and get it over with? And then it kind of swings around to something more hopeful and redemptive. And on that level, it's almost crude. But Mm -hmm. the way it works and works and kind of circles and circles around the essential emotional questions, like, ends up feeling, like, really comprehensive and convincing. And so then, like, when you do arrive at that, like, synthesis moment, which comes in the form of... Michelle Yeoh uh, throwing googly eyes at all of her enemies and <laughs> hugging them and, and smiling as she defeats them. Um, that's when, yeah, that's when the dam broke for me. And I was just like, I really like, oh. yeah, you know what? <laughs> that is, <laughs> life is about fighting with silliness and just having a good time or whatever. And and it's just so, it seems so trite, like, like for the answer to be love. But um, the movie is making the most sweeping case for that. And it's just, you know, astonishing to me. <laughs> It's a film that has something profound to say, but it doesn't say it in a pretentious way. And I mm-hmm. think maybe that's what what maybe caught us all kind of off guard. But David, I was hoping you could fill us in a little bit more about Daniels. And you mentioned Swiss Army Man, which was mm. one of the strangest films to come out in recent memory. Who are they? Why are they like this? Well, they're they're music video guys, right? They've directed a lot of music videos. People might uh, remember "Turn Down for What" being the the most famous. It remains a really good video. It's so good. Mm-hmm. You know, Swiss Army Man was a Sundance movie starring Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. That everyone was like, "Did you know there's like a farting corpse movie at Sundance <laughs> this year?" And everyone was just like, "What? What are you talking about?" Which is this movie about a guy who washes up on an island and finds a corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe. The guy is played by Paul Dano and sort of starts communicating with the corpse and using it like a Swiss army knife, like to (laughs) manipulate the Island and make a raft and try to escape. And the corpse has the farting powers and he can like ride the corpse like a raft. And so it's one of those things where you're like, (laughs) when you describe it, it, you know, it sounds patently ludicrous, but you're also sort of like, well, if what you're telling me, if if that actually translates on screen, then I can see how that would be very compelling. Like I can see if you if you could make that work visually, then yeah, sure. Like that sounds funny and also different. And mm-hmm. it was this sort of calling card movie where you're like, it's tough to go this high concept and then figure out what to do next, right? Mm-hmm. And they went with something that is very high concept. Like you know, like they mm-hmm. they, they they I feel like they doubled down on 
everything that people like about them this movie is long it is kind of demanding of the audience like Mm -hmm. it doesn't really ever Mm -hmm. it it rarely calms down it's very very heavy on its world building even if it's trying to be flippant about it and be like oh you know it's so random it's also like you know Mm -hmm. has a lot of information it's trying to convey Mm -hmm. and much like swiss army man it's trying to then bring it back around to the sort of more human emotional intimate conclusion and everything that i'm describing is not easy to do but if you do it well you're gonna win a lot of you know hearts and minds and you're gonna become the kind of cult sensation that this movie has become like it's you know it's it's impressive stuff i did want to talk to both of you too about maybe the nucleus of this film michelle yo's evelyn spencer let me toss this to you what's your michelle yo background coming into this yeah, this is a good question because I don't know if I had like a lot of awareness of Michelle Yeoh as an actor. I know that I've seen her in a number of movies over the years, but she wasn't ever someone that I like uh, really identified as like, that's my girl. But after this movie, <laughs> I have gone back and rewatched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. and also watched all the Michelle Yeoh interviews I can about this movie and um, didn't cry at those. So don't accuse me of that. Uh, and I just can't, like, what a treasure she is. She has this incredible gravity and dignity and kind of, like, reserve of, like, just power in her eyes and kind of, like, in the way that she holds her face. And then she also, like, is an expert kung fu fighter. And uh, (laughs) it's an incredible marriage of skills in one actress I love her. I mean, I and I obviously imagine there's a, a lot of her filmography I haven't seen because of her sort of Hong Kong movies. I, you know, I've seen the sort of most famous ones like Police Story mm-hmm. 3, you know, Super Cop, which is, I feel like was her big breakout, right, Shirley? Like, mm-hmm. that's that's when it was like, who, who is this? Yeah, this this lady doing all her stunts and flying on, on motorcycles onto trains. I, I'm a huge Crazy Rich Asians fan, but I kind of view that movie as like, a romance between Constance Wu and Michelle Yeoh, not like a sexual romance, but like mm-hmm. that, that movie is all about mm-hmm. the dynamic between those two characters. Yes. And yeah. like, you know, Constance Wu sort of winning over this difficult figure. So I love her in that kind of imperious mode, right? Like, which I feel like mm-hmm. she's often in. She's often a, a yeah. big boss or, you know, a wise, experienced mentor. master, mentor, yeah. right, you know. And so it's so interesting in this movie to see her as this frazzled, yeah. sort of absent-minded, kind of flibbertigibbet, kind of foolish person <laughs> in a lot of Not ways. Not <laughs> Right? Like the idea where she's like, oh, you know, she she's always wanted to sing. She's always wanted, you know, like, you know, this idea that she's this sort of flake <laughs> is so against type for her and this role was written for jackie chan right i'm not crazy yes initially which is sort of funny to consider in its own right and obviously he's such a talented comic actor you know and like i'm sure you know would have done his own thing but the casting her against type in a way is much more surprising and interesting and rich Mm -hmm. and so i do love that it's giving her a meaty role that's that's like not typical for her at all yeah, it really underlines the joke of another one of the jokes of the film. She's like the worst possible outcome of all Evelyn's. Right, <laughs> right that's the joke. She's, yeah. she's the, the, the supposedly the most pathetic Evelyn. <laughs> right. But then that means she has the most potential, right? There you go. There you go. There's something magical about that. If you've chosen every wrong decision in your life, you have the most potential. 
I wonder, have, have the two of you seen the GQ video in which she talks about how she's always played poised roles and she's never gotten something as meaty right. as this? I haven't. She talks about all of her, you know, iconic roles through the years. And at the end of it, when she is talking about everything everywhere, there's, there really is genuine emotion. She, she cries at the end of that video. When I read the script, I thought, this is something, oh dear. This is something I've been waiting for, for a long time. She's an actor who has so much potential. You know, she's a martial artist. She took her dance training and pushed it in that direction, carved out a space for herself. But she's also an incredible dramatic actress. She's the heart of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. This is something that's going to give me the opportunity to show what I'm capable of. To be funny to be real, to be sad. Finally, somebody understood that I can do all these things. And I think we could observe some similarities between the way she's finally been given a role worthy of her and the role given to Kiwi Kwan. He plays Evelyn's husband, Waymond, and his career is also fascinating. He is well-known to most audiences as Short Round, <laughs> right, in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and then as Dada and Goonies, and then he disappeared for two decades. I did not realize, watching this movie, that it was the kid from Indiana Jones and Goonies until, like, afterwards reading about it. I'm like, <laughs> this explains, like, there's, like, something nagging about mm. me the whole time about this character. I mean, so such a specific actor, too. Like, like, the way his voice is, the way he, like, everything about him is, like, unique but then yeah how long has it been since he was in a movie it's been 20 years yeah essentially wow yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah he ended up working behind the scenes for a while i think he went to film school and then he he worked with wong kar wai actually um yeah. yeah and <laughs> which is funny because in this film he gets to well he gets to embody tony young for one of the alternate universes the trick of the movie is that initially you think Waymond is going to be very much a supporting character that the main Waymond that we introduced to, he's this like sweet guy who's a bit, a, a, a bit of a flipper to gibbet himself, I suppose <laughs> to, to reuse the word, you know, who Evelyn is kind of brushing off. And then, you know, the alpha Waymond, he's like, he's the <clears throat> info dump guy. He's the guy here to, you know, explain <laughs> everything. But I guess I was sort of taken with, because this movie's a little, I would say it gets a little saggy in the middle, I personally think, just when it's sort of mm. lost in explaining everything and mm. getting into Jobu Japaki and like, you know, mm -hmm. staging an action sequence every five minutes and all that. But then kind of started winning me back around where I realized like, oh, he's sort of as crucial to the larger arc as she is. Their partnership you know, whether or not it succeeds like in every universe is an interesting dynamic. And mm -hmm. he's, you know, his kindness in, in, in this universe and his, his gentler outlook is, is as crucial, you know, like, you know, just, just mm -hmm. the way that he, he balances the action and he, you know, underlines the story is this lovely sort of surprise in the film. I, I, I love it. Yeah. He's kind of the vessel that brings in the idea of, Saving the universe through kindness, isn't he? See, when we say these things, it does yeah. sound trite. I feel like we need yeah, to like this toss very it a butt plug. Like, well, <laughs> but it's like, like <laughs> you know, it's like one of it's like they say there's only seven stories, story types, or like whatever. Like, how many mm -hmm. morals 
like if you want your movie to have a message, like how many messages are there? It's like certainly love conquers all and take the moment for what it is. That's mm-hmm. pretty pretty standard. And uh, I think like sometimes like art house movies sort of attempt to get away from like having any sort of like message or moral or, or like mm. uh, clear thesis. And this one kind of like steps off the plane and is like, yes, here is the thesis. It's the one you've seen, heard before, but it's like, it does matter. Like, let's treat it with kind of like reverence and excitement. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think my favorite joke is indicative of why this film works. I love the universe with Rakakuni because that universe is built off of Evelyn misremembering the movie title for Ratatouille and them pushing it so far that there is a universe that exists. But that is also, it's it's specific kind of to the immigrant experience. It is very much like the way my dad cannot remember the name of Pocahontas, so he calls her Puhacontas oh every time. <laughs> every well, time I will say, that comes up. <laughs> I don't want to negate that reading at all, because I'm sure that is uh, mm-hmm. with the filmmakers' minds. But I've been calling this movie everything all everywhere all, all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have. You have. <laughs> Only recently I realized it's a once. (laughs) But see, that's the thing. You can take that. You can take a moment like that. Not even a moment, just a a whole concept like that and take it in a lot of directions. You can interpret it and it still, it feels real. It is such a perfect example of what what is genius about the movie in that there's this like throwaway joke midway through that you're like, that's funny. And then they (laughs) do a callback where, well, like the point of the movie, like one of the like very mind-blowing ideas in the movie is that every single thing you could ever think of that could happen is happening in some universe. And so she misremembers this storyline. It's like, oh no, but there is a world in which that is actually happening. And there is a <laughs> raccoon on top of his chef's head who is telling that chef what to make and um, uh, <laughs> causing them to be a culinary sensation. So there's that. And it's like, oh, like that world actually does exist. And that's like a funny callback. And then as the movie progresses, it keeps, you actually have a storyline taking place in that world. And by, by the end, you are cheering and shouting for mm-hmm. the way that story resolves and it's a beautiful moment and you're like this little tangential thought that you had you actually could just spiral all the way down and make a whole nother um two-hour movie about it if you wanted to <laughs> um but the thing about whatever the daniels are doing it's it's they're doing it with the amount of proportionality and visual panache and whatever to just make it mm-hmm. work and it's sick <laughs> 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 David, what was your favorite um, stupid universe? I like the rocks. I like the rocks. Oh, yeah. Oh, the rocks. Yeah, they make yeah. me happy. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, it just because it's a nice, simple joke, the, the challenge of having like one of the weightiest conversations in the movie play mm-hmm. out just in subtitles while two rocks with googly eyes look at each <laughs> other. I think that's a good, funny gag, but also, you know, the heartfelt part works. The whole thing they're pulling off is that they take the joke, they make the joke a few times, you're getting a little sick of the joke, and then they like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of land it in a heartfelt way. Like they do that with the hot dog fingers, right? Where that becomes yeah. this kind of tender romance. Like, 
like what Spencer's saying about the raccoon, like it becomes this kind of triumphant narrative. Like, you know, that that's that's the just when you're kind of like, okay, what can we get? And then like they kind of hit you with this nice little emotional punch and you're sort of like, you know, you're 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 back on their side. Like that's the challenge they're setting themselves, like how much they can kind of stretch your attention and your willingness to go along with their silliness. And then they're mm-hmm. like, "Don't worry, we, we you know, we, we, we're 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 here to, we're here to, you know, tie this back around." One of the core conflicts in this film, or, or the core conflict in this film, is Evelyn and Joy, and and yep. just Evelyn not being able to cross that generational barrier, that language barrier, and accept her daughter as queer, or to borrow Gerard Carmichael's language, you know, to love without that despite. You know, like, I, I love you despite the fact that you're gay. Like, that, that is mm. what Evelyn is saying by not being able to say anything. And that's devastating. Just, just that, that yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's also her relationship with Joy is also just she's someone who is regretful of the choices she made in her own life, right? That's what's being reflected in mm-hmm. this story, right? She's obsessing over in a way, or she's being tantalized with this idea of what if you had done X or Y and having a kid, you know, who you maybe, you know, like it prompts so many of those same emotions. Like, Oh, are they doing the right thing? Have I done something, you know, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and so that feels like part of the gulf between them. And the triumph is obviously that they, they do figure out how to bridge the gap versus, you know, succumbing to the nihilism of the everything bagel. The nihilism of the... (laughs) Yeah. It's almost, I think, what crushed me. I mean, I will say just, I I think we should push it in that direction of talking about why it resonates with this moment specifically. I think, like, when I was watching it, there's so much detail in this film that is very specific to the Asian immigrant experience. And I think I found myself in that one scene where James Hong is suddenly speaking perfect English. James Hong plays the the grandfather, and he's the one who Evelyn, in a lot of ways, is afraid of revealing the fact that Joy is gay, too. In that moment, it just, it it underlined something for me about this film that I don't know, like, all viewers pick up on, which is just kind of like, the idea of the multiverse as a metaphor, too, for code switching, right? As, mm-hmm. not, not just code switching, but just the different worlds that perhaps the rest of your family exist in and you exist in it's like the more i think about this movie the the more i think about the space that my grandparents exist in right now (laughs) they're locked down in shanghai and Mm. i can't communicate with them the way that i want to (laughs) it's just um it's funny that we're talking about this film after talking about turning red last week there are so many films that are stories about, you know, Chinese immigrant families in North America. And I think last week we talked about, and I made a joke, you know, are there too many? Because that's naturally where we go. By we, I mean like Asian immigrants go, which is like, we're making too much noise. Don't notice us. It's totally fine. But for me, it is like, it is kind of like there's been a lot of these stories and it's it's wonderful. And then it also really just pushes against, you know, maybe a bruise that you're kind of vaguely aware of. And then in moments like these, you're like, damn, I really wish there was a universe where I spoke perfect Mandarin and my grandparents spoke perfect English. So I'm not just saying perfunctory 
you know, I'm so sorry that this is happening. I hope, uh, I hope you get your medicine. You know, like it's frustrating. So that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> that, that was amazing. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> and kind of like reaction that we might all feel on some level, like you're putting it in so much more like specific terms that the movie actually is literally talking about. Yeah, the, the, the movie is also wish fulfillment, right? Right. D- alpha, beta, like you need more. Oh no, this brings it back to the pandemic. Like you need, you can't just, <laughs> you can't just label variants other Greek terms. You have to move on to <laughs> terms that sound like, you know, Elon Musk's children's names. <laughs> um, <laughs> a universe BA2. Exactly. I mean, you're making me think about how <laughs> there has been like a boom in like dimension switching multiverse movies or TV shows at least. And there was a crop of them that came up around the 2016 election. And like mm-hmm. the kind of common thing to say about that was like, oh, we all feel like we're living in a simulation now. Like something has happened in the world and like reality is broken. Um, and certainly like we've had more and more things happen <laughs> in our lives that have made <laughs> us feel that way. But the interesting thing about this movie, at least, and maybe other multiverse movies to crop up, is that it's less about something in the world happened that that really um, shoved us all into a different dimension. It's more about how personal choices have kind of created different forking experiences and, and dimensions. Um, yeah. And so the immigrant experience in this case is like, it's, it's such a perfect vessel for exploring that idea because it really honors the way that like immigrants are making a choice to create a better life, you know? And like, that's the bet that's being made when someone uproots their life and, and moves somewhere else is that you're going to kind of like enter a, a a different and better world, but you'll never really know if it was better than the one you left behind. And so, like, yeah, man, they really, they really, <laughs> they made quite the onion here. Quite the onion. It's the the what if in all its like optimism and pessimism, and like you know, they take it in both directions, and they you know obviously they <laughs> they they finish it off in an optimistic place. But that that you know this sort of pessimistic feeling just hang over it a little bit. They don't completely dismiss that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the ending is like mm, sweet and melancholy, like which I appreciated. I appreciated it was not just mm-hmm. love conquers all type stuff. Not that I don't mind that. It's just, <laughs> but it just wasn't really the tone of the movie throughout. Like I, I pre, you know, I, mm-hmm. yeah. They're figuring stuff out at the end of the movie. They're not like you know completely transformed by the experience yeah 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 yeah. i wonder then i think we should maybe return to that main question just this is a multiverse movie in an era perhaps of many multiverses though multiverse plots have been around for a very long time has everything everywhere expanded what multiverses can do in a film it's like the kind of movie that no one else would dare to make because it sort of is extremely in one way, sort of basic exploration of the idea. It's not like set in the backdrop of a dystopian scenario like with The Matrix, and it's not mm-hmm. about like a superhero meta story or whatever. And there's not even like the rom com twist on it that uh, Sliding Doors, <laughs> the Gwyneth Paltrow semi classic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sliding That's Doors right. is the sort of experienced champion here. But I mean, <laughs> This is it's taking it all the way, going in all directions, and still managing to tie it in a bow that um, you want to untie. I don't know. I can't, the, the metaphor's not working. <laughs> I mean, I as a comic book fan, I'm so used to the notion of parallel universes, mm-hmm. right? It, but I've always just dis- been dismissive about it for that reason because it's often shorthand. It's often a way to justify resurrecting someone or 
having some kind of cute adventure, right? Like, hey, you mm-hmm. know, sure, Jean Grey died, but we'll just get the Jean Grey out of this universe or something like that. You know, I, you know, whatever. Where she be? Yes. And this movie is a little more thoughtful in how it's like reckoning with all that. And so I appreciate that. I mean, you know what my favorite <laughs> multiverse thing is actually is the His Dark Materials books. Oh. Obviously, uh... the film adaptation uh, the Golden Compass didn't really work, so I guess movie wise. But you know, like though those are mm-hmm. wonderful literature about worlds beyond our own and the ways that they intermingle and the ways that they don't. And uh, you know, the, everything that universe does with the world building. I'm sure maybe the Daniels love those books as well. I don't know. I was just thinking about multiverses. <laughs> just are. always thinking about multiverses. I think, as usual, we should finish with a game. And by game, I mean recommendation. I think the the question this time that we're going to end with is, what is a Michelle Yeoh performance that people should check out? Spencer, you first. Well, as you know, like I said before, I'm not a completist of her career before this, and I have a lot of watching to do to catch up. So I'm going to have to mention something we've already talked about a little bit. But I was just on a plane um, mm-hmm. two days ago, and there was two screaming babies near me, and oh. a... And they had really annoying fathers who were lecturing the babies the whole time. So a lot of chaos in the back of that plane. But when I put on the movie Crazy Rich Asians, none of that mattered. It like, <laughs> like it is just I don't know exactly what I what makes it better than like any other of you know kind of formulaic rom coms other than the sense of cultural specificity and um, each character is just a delight. And the food looks really good. And Michelle Yeoh is the heart of that movie 100%. Because there is like a stereotype that you could say that she is being asked to portray there. But um, she imbues the kind of like imperious mother figure with so much more like um, intelligence and even warmth towards the future daughter-in-law that she is trying to disapprove of. She is almost like pitying of uh, Constance Wu's character or like has like this kind of like loving maternal thing towards her, even as she's trying to get her the hell out of her family's life. And it's just, um, it's a remarkable little gem of acting choices in every scene that she's in. So it's a great movie and you should watch it on any given plane ride. Perfect. David. I mean, I have a bunch. Have you ever seen Wing Chun? I actually haven't. Which is sort of, I feel like one of her masterpieces in like, like the sort of the big, epic uh martial arts movies um Mm -hmm. which is great and uh you know almost all of the the, you know movies in her early career you know there's like something that you're kind of like well that's a little bumpy but whatever (laughs) she's in that there's that crazy movie the heroic trio have you seen that surely the like bizarre johnny toe movie my grandparents had that in their apartments i haven't seen it in forever uh which if you can find Mm -hmm. it i think it's I think it's getting restored or something. I think there's something happening with that movie, but like it's about these three badass ladies who are, she plays someone called the invisible woman. She has like an invisible ability cloak. And these three badass ladies are going to take down a guy called the evil master who's stealing babies (laughs) and stuff. Like it's, it's the wildest uh, film I've ever seen uh, from her group. But uh, the only uh, English language movie we haven't shouted out. I really love her in sunshine, uh, which is a, which is an ensemble piece. Like everyone is good in it. It's got this great, international cast um, but is one of the most underrated pieces of science fiction of the whatever yeah. century and she's yeah. very like 
flinty and heartfelt and it's a it's a, it's a classic michelle Yeoh performance where she does a lot with like you know not too much screen time or whatever good choices good choices yeah. what's your pick shirley sorry i was flooding the zone there no no you weren't i've been flooding the zone with my actual tears anyway uh <laughs> yay tears i i mentioned super cop earlier and i i will plug super cop again I mean, she's incredible. Yeah, she's just, if you have never seen the film and you are checking it out, just think about the fact that she was just transitioning into martial arts, really. She has a dance background and she was learning choreography to become an action star and essentially found that she could apply the same skills into this genre that, that didn't really have rehearsals. They were doing things on the spot. And in a lot of the interviews she's been doing for the press tour around everything everywhere all at once she's been talking about Supercop which has made me really happy because she does do incredible work in that film and you know nearly broke every bone in her body and and, and that's terrifying and dangerous and people really should rehearse but um, when you watch the film I think that context is helpful uh, she's just a really uh, dedicated performer it's got the coolest stunts like you'll ever yeah. see in a movie without hyperbole that movie yeah jumping from moving vehicles onto other moving vehicles that was done decades before fast and furious started doing it you know what i mean like it's just (laughs) um, um, she's great yeah and that gq video that you mentioned she talks about how um just like dangerous the stunts were they're like (laughs) like we're not (laughs) they like don't they were not up to like hollywood modern hollywood code for sure Mm. and she uh you know almost like crashed through the windshield of uh the car yes (laughs) Yes, and Jackie Chan had to try to catch her and she fell over. It's just, I mean, that's Hong Kong filmmaking in the 90s. (laughs) And I think that does it for the show. (laughs) The review is produced by Kevin Townsend with help from AC Valdez. The executive producer of Atlantic Podcasts is Claudine Abade. And our art is by Charlie LeMignon. I'm Shirley Lee. Thanks, David. Thank you, Shirley. Thanks, Spencer. Thank you, Shirley. Thank you, David. Bye. Bye. There he is, my therapy racacuni. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Shirley's holding a racacuni. He's great. He's my favorite. So cute.